So welcome to the strolling studio of No Fixed Address. I have strolled further than ever this time. I'm at a water park watching my kids get swimming lessons. I'm on solo dad duty tonight. My lady is busy, so I got these three here, and they got uh, Jake and Colin. What's up, guys? High five, Knuckles, who are their swimming instructors. Geocaching scripture. Geocaching is this rarefied sport hobby. Uh, Finding these little geocaches, little tiny treasures that make a walk or a hike into a little bit of an adventure and give a little dimension to something that may be familiar. And I find the same scripture as I continue to study it and as I get older um, that I find in familiar stories that I know very well um, little geocaches of language, history, cultural situation, all kinds of things where I can learn see something new and see the dimension that's in God's word. And that's what we're here for, tiny treasures in the big truth. Okay, let me read a scripture to you. Matthew 11, verse 16 to 29. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they said, look at him. A wine... A glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So that's Jesus responding to a lot of the criticism that's given to him by the Pharisees. He also mentions his cousin there, uh, John the Baptist. And it's very interesting because on the one hand, John comes neither eating nor drinking. So John, right, John was, had taken a vow um, to live in the wilderness and to live this sort of rugged Spartan life that he lived. And he didn't eat or drink, so he was very austere. And uh, he came in and they said, ah, he's demon-possessed. then Jesus came both eating and drinking and hanging out with people and going to parties a lot. And they said, ah, he's a drunk. So there was no, there's no real balance between like, okay, well, which, which is it? I mean, which is good enough for you people? Kind of, that's part of the question here. Um, so I always wondered about this glutton and a drunkard thing. I didn't, I didn't realize until recently that that actually is a quote from somewhere in the Old Testament, as are many, many quotes. So I'm going to read you where that comes from in Deuteronomy 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of this city, This is our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. You shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 to 21. So that's a really interesting um, passage here um, of what they did when they were under theocratic rule um, back in the times of Deuteronomy. And they had um, essentially like somebody who was disrupting the community breaking the harmony of the community, um, and this was the punishment that was set out for them. Now, these are older rules, and we're in a different part of God's sort of romance, a different chapter of God's romance with humanity. Um, but it's interesting that they, that Jesus would quote this uh, glutton and a drunkard part of things, because he's actually quoting this passage here, in which a son of Israel um, is considered rebellious. And that is kind of where they put Jesus. So Jesus says, you're casting me like this, uh, which, is, which is interesting. Um, basically saying 
um, he's disrupting the flow of what's going on. And Jesus says, the flow is disrupted. Like the flow that you were following is no longer a thing anymore. Um, and so one of the critiques of Jesus that comes a lot, which I think is really interesting, is that he hangs out um, with, with uh, the old King James Version word was wine bibers and sinners. He hangs out with these, this party crowd and uh, that he enjoys too much, that he feasts too much. That was their problem with him. Think about the uh, miracle of the water into wine, which is uh, a couple, I, I think that's season one. Um, Jesus, Jesus made water into wine, but he made, like I'm looking at a swimming pool right now, he made a swimming pool full of wine. He made a huge party out of that. And that's part of the deal, is that the Son of Man is here. The kingdom is starting now. And because he's here, it's a party, right? <laughs> because he's here, it's a party, right? And that doesn't mean we should party all the time or anything else. Um, but what it does mean is that God's people fully enjoy the life that God has given them because it li- it's lived in the right order. It's lived under his rules and his structures, and, and that's the way to enjoy it the most. Um, I'm watching my kids now learning to dive and putting their, their hands pointing towards, you know, up above their heads and falling over. It's very hilarious. Um, but it's, it's part of that, right? It's part of living out um, life to the full, as it says in John uh, chapter 10 and verse 10. So I think of when I first got into parish ministry, I was a hospital chaplain for many years. I got into parish ministry and I was the pastor of a small church um, in Indianapolis, and it was smart, part of a small denomination, part of a small, scrappy denomination that sort of had, a, had an international presence in several small churches, even some living room churches, um, and had this, this, like, they had their unique signature as a culture. And one of the parts of their unique signature, signature is like they could put on a great party. I never went to bed before midnight at a conference. We closed the places down. We'd be up talking and laughing and hugging and enjoying each other and doing that in a way that we were fully enjoying God's world as he made it. You know, there was not nothing nefarious going on. There wasn't drunkenness going on. There wasn't craziness going on. There wasn't self-centeredness going on. It was because of that freedom that we could just stay up and hang out like that. And these were people who had been through a lot together and uh, there weren't a ton of them. But what they had was something really special and not often seen in, in um, you know, larger mega churches where you have sort of 400 acquaintances who tolerate each other through the weekend. Like these people knew each other well and they partied together and enjoyed the grace of knowing Jesus. And they would have been called drunkards and gluttons. Um, I, think, I think by the parsimonious Pharisee crowd, which is, was on the other side saying that John the Baptist wasn't good enough either because he didn't drink and he didn't eat and he didn't party. So which is it, you know? Anyway, that's the question, right? The geocache here is, is seeing that uh, Jesus was generous with his hospitality and who he hung out with and what he gave when he had one piece of bread, he broke it in two and shared it. And that's what he calls us to, not to these closed exclusive gatherings that we're sometimes known for but to be places that are warm and places that have the door open and that people can come to and they feel invited to and we don't have to sell out our standards to do that we don't have to sell out who we are 
morally to do that and who God has called us to be morally to do that. But we do have to love and we have to listen and we have to be present. Pax Humana. Cheers. <laughs>